Hello and welcome to the Special Dry Bones Ministries podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. I'm Father Adam Potter, a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and today we reflect on this third letter. This third letter that, oh goodness, uh, I don't know about you, whenever you were reading it, but just kind of stirred up in me like, huh, that hits close to home, that it's close to home. This hits very close to home because this is where the evil one loves to attack the familiar and the familial relations. And um, yeah, today we, we see how Wormwood is going to attack the patient, this uh, young man, recent convert, and his relationship with his mother. Every word of C.S. Lewis is chosen intentionally. Every line is packed with meaning, right? So I just love this opening line that he says, My dear Wormwood, I'm very pleased by what you tell me about this man's relations with his mother, but you must press your advantage. The enemy will be working from the center outwards, gradually bringing more and more of the patient's conduct under the new standard. You may reach his behavior to the old lady at any moment. You want to get in first. Keep in close touch with our colleague, Glubos, who is in charge of the mother, and build up between you and that house a good, settled habit of Mutual annoyance, daily pinpricks. So, who? What, what do we see? Gosh, the evil one loves to undo us by those people who are so close to us. Why is it, friends, that those people who are closest to us are the ones that are most difficult to love? Even ones that we've chosen to hang out with, like our friends or our, our spouses. Um, sometimes there's a particular annoyance to people we didn't choose, like our brothers or sisters or whoever. Um, and yet still it's here in the familiar that the evil one loves to get in and to undo. So notice Glubos is the demon who's in charge of the mother and that they're going to work together to pin these two mother and son. The son still lives with his mom against each other. This is a, a tender time though, that screw tape recognizes in Wormwood's patience. The enemy, he says, so this is God, will be working from the center outwards, working from the inside out. What does that mean? Well, it means that this young man has gone through a conversion, right? He's given his heart to the Lord. And yet that time that it takes for that interior conversion to move and to transform his habits, his thoughts, his speech, everything, it takes a little while. Excuse me. It takes a little while. Um, St. Paul says to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the renewal of the mind comes first, and then doing his will, what is good and acceptable, that comes afterwards. And so this is a great opportunity for the evil one to come in and to undo us while those habits are still not fully formed. Oh, you say you're a Christian? Great. Well, how come you're still living like a pagan? It's like, (laughs) I'm working on it, you know? Conversion takes time. Some people argue it takes a whole lifetime. Based on my 34 years of life experience, that seems to be the case. So these mutual annoyances, pinpricks, what are they? What do they look like? Well, screw tape lists them for us. The first is making the patient think the conversion is only interior, and doesn't have anything to do with his day-to-day activities. So this is an interesting attack, right? The, the attack is, okay, you're setting out, you're pursuing Christ, 
Keep working on your spirituality. Keep working on your prayer life. And don't worry about those elementary duties of taking care of yourself, cleaning up, looking after others, taking care of your, care of your house, doing your homework, doing your um, assignments, whatever it is. Those, those will come later or whatever it is. Gosh, and here we just read from a lot of the different saints. They will just speak so clearly to the invitation to be faithful to your state in life is the path to holiness. That instead of be- being really, really tempted to worry about being a mystic, how about being a good son, a good daughter, or a good husband, a good wife, a good colleague, a good student, right? That that is actually your path to great holiness, faithfulness in your actual tasks. And so the, the temptation is just to think about, okay, my own prayer life, my own prayer life, it's within me. No, it has everything to do with how I live. I think about St. Therese in this. She speaks about doing little things with great love. But how hard is this? Sometimes we oversimplify this, doing little things with great love. It's really hard. Here was a passage from her story of the soul that I thought was really good at showing just the intensity of how difficult this is and that this takes time. In her story of a soul, St. Therese of Lisieux, this young woman who lived 24 years in Lisieux, France, for the most part, didn't leave her little town in that little convent, but she changed the world just by being faithful. She says, Lord, how shall I show my love since love proves itself by deeds? Well, the little child will string flowers. She will embrace the divine throne with her fragrance. She will sing love's canticle in silvery tones. Yes, my beloved, it is thus. My short life shall be spent in your sight. The only way I have of proving my love is to string flowers before you. That means spiritually put flowers together in this necklace. Um, that, that is to say, I will let no tiny sacrifice pass, no look, no word. I wish to profit by the smallest actions and do them for love. I wish to suffer for love's sake and for love's sake even to rejoice. And therefore shall I string flowers. Not one shall I find without scattering its petals before you, and I will sing. I will sing always, even if my roses must be gathered from amidst thorns. And the longer and sharper the thorns, the sweeter shall be my song. End quote. So, like, that's intense. That's intense. She's not just this wimpy, um, silly little girl. She has a fierce heart that recognizes love isn't content to stay interior, but has to be shown exteriorly. And so, gosh, what does that look like? Well, here's how the evil ones can attack. Screwtape says, so bring him to a condition in which he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about himself, which are perfectly clear to anyone who has ever lived in the same house with him or worked in the same office. Right? Here's where Therese will look to rejoice in the suffering because it's when I try to live out these loving actions, these acts of kindness, of selflessness, and it's hard and it's difficult. I rejoice because my own selfishness is being exposed. And this is hard for us. It's much easier to stay in this. "Mm, I spent a whole hour in prayer examining how good I'm doing, and I'm a new convert, and the Lord has to be so happy with me, and all these other things that I'm doing for him and for others, and missing the reality. No, I actually have a long way to go. 
So maybe a good question for us. How's our prayer life versus our practical life? The way that we live, the way that we love. If we don't know, have you ever considered asking someone for advice, constructive criticism, to point out our flaws? This should be taken to prayer then, right? But yeah, if you're married, to ask your spouse. Um, if you're, you're not married, if it's a friend or it's a, a sibling or someone that you can trust. That if we can't see our own faults, it's very likely they can see our own faults. And to bring that to us um, would be great for us to grow in true charity. The second tactic is the concern for the soul and to miss the actual person of the other. Right? So... Make sure, Wormwood, that your patient is really worried about his mom's soul and missing the fact that she's suffering with her rheumatism, right? This disease marked by inflammation and pain in the joint and the muscles and the fibrous tissue. So praying for their, their own conversion that they might turn away from their sins and everything else and missing just who is it, right? Looking at an imaginary person, an imaginary mom, and missing the real mother, who apparently is a difficult person, a sharp-tongued old lady at the breakfast table. How about us? How do we see people around us? Do we see them in the ideal, in the imaginary? Are we able to see who they really are? Yes, with their gifts and strengths and abilities, but also with their quirks and um, wounds, weaknesses, and everything else that, that drive us, like to really see them in, in who they are and to be able to love them in reality. The third tactic, Wormwood, work on the annoyances of tones of voice or expressions of face which are unendurably irritating to the other. I, this hit close to home. I remember uh, just growing up with my full house of siblings. There was so much fighting and bickering and, uh, and so much that came down to different tones or express like facial expressions, whatever it was. Um, and here's like the pushing in on this, right? The evil one says, make them think that these are on purpose. Never let them realize how improbable that is, right? That they probably didn't mean for it to sound that way or to come off that way. Uh, maybe they're having just a really tough day or maybe I'm only having an interpretation of this expression this way, right? I thought this was a really interesting insight that the root of the annoyance comes from the nursery. This isn't like this particular sense, but how about for us? For us, like how often is it that we get annoyed with those people in our life that we're so familiar with because we associate them or this saying or this request based on past history, not actually with something that's real in the moment, but only from a past bitterness or resentment that we actually haven't let go, right? Where's the problem? Not in what they're saying or how they're saying it, but the problems within us that we haven't actually forgiven them. We actually haven't given that over to the Lord and asked for his mercy upon it. And so instead, every time that they ask for this or they say this, ah, within me flares up this, this bitterness. Unless we're only focused on the other person's imperfections, gosh, a great question is just to think about what, don't, what annoying habits do I have? What are those things that I do, that I say, um, that might really irritate others? 
to be able to, to name those and, and look at those. Humility, right? We were talking about that before. Humility is this great path to spiritual perfection and holiness. Okay, the fourth tactic is the double standard, right? The discrepancy between the words that are spoken and the tone. They want the words to be taken at face value. Therefore, they always walk away convinced at their innocence. So here's where this double standard is really diabolical. That I want my words just to be taken at face value um, not and not giving the other that same... Uh, yeah, yeah, that same mercy, that I'm not actually listening to their words. I'm actually just listening to their tone. And so for me, I want that mercy to be given to me. And so as Screwtape says, it's great. It's great. They will always walk away justified thinking that they're innocent and it's the other one who has the problem. They have the tone or they have that, that look. Here's the thing. I was thinking about this in our world today, and it almost seems like it's flipped upside down. So often our annoyances come through, not through the spoken word, but through the written word. I think about this with texts and tweets and posts, that the tone can be lost and misinterpreted. Sometimes emojis only go so far. They can be helpful, but sometimes they only go so far that to, to say something uh, just with genuine sincerity. And yet what's communicated is biting sarcasm or right or whatever it is and so hopefully we can maybe take this to prayer consideration and, and just considering do I give other people the benefit of the doubt am I reading different texts or emails or whatever uh, with sympathy with understanding with that uh, idea that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here or am I just looking to read in a cynical, sarcastic uh, tone? So that's our crazy world today, huh? Okay, can we go to the final attack? Here, screw tape just says, okay, my dear Wormwood, how about stirring up the jealousy of the mother with regard to her son's conversion? This is something that this is something that she should rejoice over but turn it into something that she resents and is insecure over that maybe she would have wanted his conversion, his love for God to be something based on what she did, what she taught him or the way that she lived her life. And then he said, remember the elder brother and the enemy's story. What's the connection there? That older brother in the, in the story, the prodigal son, it's the, the son who has always been in his father's house. And in comparison to his younger brother who goes out, squanders his father's inheritance, and then comes back to a loving embrace from the father, his mercy, and given the, given the coat, given the ring, given the shoe, given the party with a slaughtered calf. What's the older son? He's resentful. What about me, father? I've been here this whole time, right? And not realizing, missing, right, you've been here the whole time. Son, says the father, everything that I have is yours. You could have had a feast anytime. You do have a feast anytime is kind of the implication. You're always able to feast and rejoice in me, in my love, in this relationship. And so this insecurity really comes from a fear of not seeing the father and the truth of who he is. And so to push in on this, that maybe the mother is like, 
I've been here the whole time. I've been trying to be faithful. I've been trying to be a Christian. And it's my son who went out. He squandered everything. He lived this life of licentiousness, debauchery. And now he comes back and look at him. It's like, ooh, <laughs> there's the attack. There, there's the attack that is for all of us. Hopefully something that we really, gosh, are open to. To trusting in the goodness of the Father, whatever stage we're in compared to other people's stages, wherever they're at. To not be insecure, to not be resentful or envious or jealous. To be able to rejoice in what God is doing in other people is a great antidote. It's a virtue called magnanimity. It means big heartedness, right? To be able to rejoice in the goodness of what God is doing in other people. And that's hard. It's a virtue, right? So it's hard to rejoice in what God is doing in a brother, a sister, a spouse, or a colleague, or a friend. It's hard to do that, but it allows us to experience great joy and freedom. Well, that's the end of, the, of this letter. Hopefully that was helpful um, as we go deeper into looking at what are the tactics of the evil one and what's our response? How do we, uh, how do we respond with humility, with this magnanimity, and with a pursuing of actually living out our life of little acts of charity done with great love and even rejoicing over those those times that we realize, ah, this is really hard. Lord, I have a long way to go. Let's close in prayer. And just with great intention and great trust, we'll ask the great archangel, St. Michael, to defend us in our battle. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series, Reflections on the Screwtape Letters. If you'd like to support the work of Dry Bones Ministries, please visit drybonespgh.org. Friends, so good to be with you. God bless you. You are in my prayers on this spiritual journey. Please pray for me. If you're listening to this in real time, we are going to take a day off for the Sabbath, Sunday, and a new podcast will be released on Monday. God bless you. I'll see you then.